All right, it is July 29th, and earlier this week, Google decided to give third-party cookies a reprieve. However, that's not going to stop us from, in our industry, having to look to, to, to new solutions. A key component may be this company called Neutronian, which I'll explain in a minute quite what they do, and we'll, we'll get to that as part of our conversation. So let's kick it off, and let's start off with a new episode of BeelerCast. Hey, uh, Lisa and George, welcome to uh, to the podcast. Looking forward to this conversation. Um, I want you to introduce yourselves. Before I do that, I, I wanted to to kind of quickly tell everyone why why we're having this conversation. Um, I was doing something I think is rare in our industry. I was actually reading some of the specs from the IAB Tech Lab, and they made reference to this company, Neutronian. I figured. As much as I'm focused on all things about seller-defined audiences, and I know it's a, a key conversation that a lot of people are trying to figure out, it referenced this company that I hadn't really heard talked about um, in, in my circles. And the more I looked into what you do, it, it occurred to me that it's really key that we understand how we look at data, data providers, publishers who want to become data providers, that we start to actually understand some of this stuff because buyers are not going to buy things just because we say it's good and i think that there's just an underlying aspect of that that uh, is, is key but before we get into the conversation itself about the company let's talk about who we have as our guest so lisa can you uh introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your your background sure yes thanks robin so happy to be here excited to uh talk to all your listeners um so i'm lisa abisala chief customer officer and co-founder of neutronian and at Neutronian, I'm really the you know point of contact that helps all of our customers from publishers to third-party data providers, agencies, you name it, um, you know, facilitate our solutions for them. I also moonlight as our marketing director, so doing you know corporate marketing, partner marketing. As you know, with a startup, you wear many hats. Um, prior to Neutronian, though, I was at Comscore um, for a good number of years, and my last role there was heading up the ad platform partnerships team. So I know firsthand what it's like to be someone that has a data asset that you're trying to monetize, whether it's you know first party, third party, what have you, but um, making that available in the programmatic ecosystem and, and kind of some of the hurdles and challenges that go about doing that and then you know differentiating yourself and actually seeing seeing revenue coming from those audiences. That's great. And we will we will use your subject matter expert level on the data side that that history as as well as the fact that you wear many hats. I have a feeling we'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll tap into all of those all of those pieces. George, you know publishers. Again, you and I go back a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, what your role is and what what you're focused on? Yeah, definitely, Rob. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh Good to see everybody. So I think you all probably know me in the context of the head of sales at AdLightning. Um, I have been helping uh, Neutronian in an advisory capacity. And you know, really what attracted me to Neutronian was the, you know, the space that they're operating in. So I've been selling to publishers various solutions for the past, you know, call it seven years. Um, I have been watching closely the actions of Apple, Google, et cetera. And then uh, separately uh, have been kind of, you know, very cognizant of the challenges that publishers do have. So uh, I've known Lisa for some bit. I know her co-founder, uh, Timmer, and I kind of got interested in Neutronian, both from the context of what they're doing to help elevate 
publisher first party data, which in my opinion is super critical. Um, separately, what attracted me to the company was my previous, you know, long ago, don't ask me when, uh, background in finance when I worked in structured finance in Citigroup. And I was involved in a, a group that dealt with highly structured investments. So think back 2006, 2008, um, everything from mortgages to um, automotive leases. What attracted me to Neutronian was that that space obviously required regulation, and you kind of had that in the concept of S&P and Moody's. It was broken due to several kind of, you know, layers of moral hazard. So I think the kind of the final kind of bow to tie this all together is that we're all operating essentially in an unregulated advertising market at the moment. So enter Neutronian to kind of help add some clarity and some assurance to the buy side. So that's why I'm excited. And I think Lisa and I have gotten to know each other quite well over the past uh, few months, right, Lisa? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> well, you make me think that like with that financial reference is that for ad tech, we probably need to do a version of like the big short, which is one of my, yeah, my favorite yeah. go-to <laughs> like movies. And we just have to integrate some celebrities who try to explain kind of like, you know, what is a vast tag and like have, you know, we'll, we'll get, you know, Harry yeah. Styles to do that or something like that. So we'll make a, a mental note that we need to, we need to, to do that. Uh, you know, George kind of set up his, his interest in the, you know, in the, in the companies based on what you do. Lisa, why don't you again, talk about what it is that Neutronian does? Why don't you give us a good picture on that part? Sure. Yep. So the, the quick way that we describe ourselves is we are the credit score for data buying. Um, so similar to how you would have a bond rating, you know, from Standard & Poor's or Moody's to help you evaluate um, financial decisions. We're uh, a quantitative approach and, and qualitative, but, uh, you know, approach to help you understand what it is that you're truly buying when you're making decisions on data to use for marketing and advertising. So I think there's obviously advantages to those that are buying data for having the standardization in a way to, to make those evaluations. But for anyone that's looking to, to sell data themselves, to be able to, to have um, a standard that they can point to, to help differentiate themselves and add trust and transparency that doesn't exist today um, to help you know increase credibility and, and kind of help change the dialogue that we're having in the marketing and advertising ecosystem as it relates to uh, how you're making those decisions about data to use. So I know that you do something and maybe you can help kind of uh, dive into this. There's a, there's a ratings aspect and there's like certification levels. And again, there might be some other parts. Can you talk about what those two things are that you provide to your clients? Yep, yep. So the ratings are the initial high level, scalable quantitative approach to um, uh, making uh, transparency of companies uh, apparent to those that are looking for data partners. So think about it as, you know, media buyers are out there, they're starting to do the research on where they might find and source data from. Our ratings are meant to give you that initial gut check. And so we have our standardized framework that we've published our methodology for. It's the Neutronian Quality Index. And we collect publicly available data about uh, from a wide swath of companies. And so basically it's meant to say, are you being transparent about what you're doing and how you're doing it? Do you have you know, basic disclosures on your website from a privacy and compliance standpoint? Do you have, is it easy for a consumer to opt out? So there, there's consumer applications, there's business applications, 
you know, on the business side, do you have details on your methodology and how you're creating your audiences, et cetera. So that's the ratings approach. And that's kind of, you know, first level of defensive, first level of review. And then we have our, our more in-depth certification akin to um, a financial audit. It, you know, we've had folks that have gone through the process and it, it is comprehensive, but it's meant to be that way because we don't want it to be surface level so that, you know, we, we want it to mean something and have the credibility behind it. So that's where we engage one-on-one -on -one with partners and really get under the hood, understand how you're doing what you're doing. And at the conclusion of that, we provide our certification, which we stand behind and saying, you know, this is a company that is meeting or exceeding industry standards or industry expectations as it pertains to data quality and transparency um, across the spectrum. And I guess I, I should also say, you know, that framework I mentioned, the Neutronium Quality Index, we look at data across the entire life cycle. So we start with consent and compliance. How's the data collected? We move to sourcing transparency. So if there are other data assets that are incorporated in the solutions, you know, location data, other third party, we wanna understand who those are and how they're being incorporated. We look at characteristics of the data. So trying to dig into, um, you know, is the data deterministic? Is it modeled? Are there considerations for fraudulent uh, bots in traffic? There should be. And so how are, you know, how are you accounting for that and removing that from what you pr produce? Um, we dig more into the methodology, especially if there's modeling components. We also wanna understand um, from a processing standpoint, you know, what uh, infrastructure do you have in place for data security and data protection? And then we conclude with performance. So those are our five buckets that we dig into as part of the certification. And I think we'll we'll dive into some of that. But you know, the first thing that strikes me, uh, two things. You know, one is that as anyone that has ever tried to work with a with a buyer and saying, hey, use our first party data, some of those questions, some of those things that you just checked off are the questions that you get back. Right. And that's that's the thing of of the idea that you can't just create first party data and people will buy it. They're going to have questions. They're going to want to know that it's valid. And, you know, to your point about deterministic um, and, and so forth and like the lifespan of the data, all these mm -hmm. things become really key components of what it takes to sell data. And I think that's part of why I'm, I'm so interested in this conversation, because I think we've gone from being third party data companies that everyone kind of uses and, and need these checks on you you built around those we're about to have hundreds of companies trying to to get themselves into this and there's just going to be a lot of a lot of noise right and a lot of like do i trust this data source how do how do i know what's going into this this particular piece so i think that that part's there the other part i'll just mention is that you use the word audit and i had a little bit of a, a, a twinge i don't know if you <laughs> saw the little tip. um takes me all the way back to my days um early days when you know buyers asked about seeing our log files and making sure even our numbers like our user numbers were correct right and i used to have to um was it uh See, I've kind of blanked some of that out in my mind because <laughs> like sending someone log files to check to see whether the you know anything like I don't really want to get back to the world of an audit, and yet at the same time, I almost feel like if I'm doing a good job with my data and creating data, then I should I should want a stamp of approval that allows other people to kind of more transact on it more quickly and, and understand versus and versus other particular things. Um, I did have one question in terms to, to help again draw this out a little bit further 
I know based on what I've seen in, in your materials, you've worked or certified companies like ID5 and like Double Verify and so forth. Can you can you use one or both of those as examples of like like ID5 to me in terms of a solution? I don't see them as a data provider. I just see them as an aspect of how data is transferred. So can you talk a little bit about that so I can understand a little bit more the nuance of what it is that you do in that certification process? Absolutely. So the way the way that we talk about it too, so we've developed this framework uh, with the intent to have it apply to a broad spectrum of data solutions. So that's why you'll see someone like an ID5, which is an identity solution, and also someone, you know, a double verified contextual partner. We've had many, um, audience providers, et cetera, that have gone through our process. And I think it really comes down to, we have the standard framework, but then there's customization or areas that we'll dig deeper into depending on the solution that's being offered. So obviously there's going to be different things that we would dig into specifically around identity resolution and the methodology and approach there for someone like an ID5 versus someone like a double verify, we're gonna get into more details about their contextual crawler and how they're assigning um, you know, contextual categories and keywords, et cetera. So uh, we're really trying to have a standard approach, but not so rigid that it can't be modified or customized uh, depending on the specific data offering. Got it, got it. That that does actually help, right? And again, there's so many things that are evolving and changing, right? That I think you have to be kind of kind of flexible on that. George, in your experience, and again, I know at one point, media buyer, you've got the kind of the finance yeah. background, you help talk to publishers or whatever. Yeah. You talk to kind of the importance of pulling all this stuff together so that, again, people can make buying decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I was a media buyer, the biggest challenge was uh, attribution, really. So based, based on kind of where I was buying media from, the eventual uh, kind of sale. So back in the day, you only had Google and you had Bing and you had Yahoo as essentially being, you know, secondary sources, but the reality was Facebook was new. So, you know, I struggled with essentially figuring out how to place media effectively for lifetime value, right, of the brand. Because the issue that media buyers still have, I think, is that you keep on acquiring the same customer over and over again. So the reason that I'm very, interested in first party data. And by the way, I do believe that first party data seller defined audiences is something that publishers broadly can participate in. Because if you look at marketing objectives, when I was a media buyer, I would have branding objectives, but at the same time, I'd have mid funnel and then conversion. So, you know, I think a lot of publishers may feel because I don't have deterministic purchase data like an Amazon, I cannot participate in this world, which is not true. I think when you look at what Google, you know, has been doing with the various kind of solutions, whether it's Flock or whatever it is now, I think they've actually shown us that there is kind of a need for first party data through the kind of through the life cycle of the purchase, uh, you know, the purchasing journey. So kind of circling back, Rob, in terms of your question, I think media buyers are looking for new things to drive, to Lisa's point, incremental new customers for the brand and being able to do that in a measurable way using sources outside of the traditional suspects. Because as a media buyer, that was my biggest problem. Like I would have Google and I would have Bing and I would have to show 
my clients every week, you know, what have I done different? I'm like, I don't know. Like I, you know, I tried this different keyword. So I think having, you know, a kind of, you know, a robust set of options to choose from validated and kind of, you know, verified in a transparent manner is critically important because back to Moody's and Standard & Poor, their methodology was never public. So the fact that Neutronian has a public quantitative model with qualitative elements would have been a super helpful signal for me to have as a media buyer. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and I agree with you as, as well. Just, you know, look at this way. Uh, once third party cookies are, are, are gone, uh, when to be to be answered, right? But there's a piece of that that like, there's just going to be less signal, right, for everyone to be making decisions. And, you know, again, I think you'd, you'd, you'd back me up on this that uh, as a buyer, your goal is not to just to buy Google and that that Bing thing you mentioned, I don't even remember what that is. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask me, don't ask me when this was. This yeah, was I was going to say you, you, there was, you, you definitely set me up and I, I could have gone for a different joke there. But there's a yes, Bing. Um, but like, just again, the, the major platforms, I don't think anyone wants to just buy those. They, they are looking to see their ads on premium published sites, right? They, they know that their audience is there. And to your point, if it uncovers new people, right, that's even better, right? Yep. So there's, there is an opportunity here for us to kind of create a new transaction, a new dialogue, yeah. the buy side and the sell side. Uh, but, you know, I, I almost sit there and feel like there's a ticking time bomb of when will be the first article in Digiday or Ad Exchanger about someone through seller-defined audiences that completely was fraudulent about what it is that they, they set their signals to? Because mm -hmm. SDA yeah. is not hard. It's just you yeah. as the publisher get to put in there what you want. Yeah, That's the part. So I love, um, Lisa, for you maybe to, to dive in a little bit about the IB Tech Lab and, and that relationship and, yeah. and how that kind of plays that plays out. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, you hit it right on the head. I think having a standard and a mechanism to be able to be more transparent about the audiences is step one, right? And so that's what seller defined audiences does. Now that's a basic signal telling you it's this audience. The IB Tech Lab also has the data transparency standard, which is a nutrition label for data. So for those that want to dig deeper, buyers that are looking for information, okay, we know it's audience one, two, three. You can go into that repository and you can find out more details such as where exactly was it sourced? You know, what is the refresh cadence? Um, what type of identifiers were used to create the audience? Was there any audience extension applied, et cetera? So the label then takes it one step further and gives you more transparency and information. But Rob, to your point, someone could easily see it all the way through and create what they perceive to be a high value audience and you know pipe that through the systems. Um, so the IB Tech Lab has a compliance program, which is a you know certification and audit, and Neutronian is one of the auditors of record for that compliance program. So that's what our partnership is. And basically that looks to someone that has gone through, completed the labels, verify that they're completing the labels accurately, correctly. They have the right people and processes and technology systems in place to continue to accurately produce those labels in a way that can be dependent upon. So I think it's, you know, seeing it all the way through to the certification program really gets us to where we need to be to have that trust and transparency. 
um, in the ecosystem and, and you know, that, um, that backing behind it so that th there's, a, there's the, uh, the credibility there. Right. So, so we, we, again, people know what they're buying, then they can make those decisions based off that and then start to, to see how it performs and, and how it works from there. Um, one of the pieces to, to sell a defined audience is I don't know if you have a, a perspective on this, right? Uh, again, it's recently kind of published and something I've talked about as well is that the buy side isn't necessarily there on seller defined audiences yet, right? And, you know, from my perspective, it has been really hard to get people to necessarily experiment with things um, because third party cookies are, is like a, it's a junk food diet. <laughs> really hard to sit there and go like, okay, you know, this isn't going to last, you know, your metabolism is going like, like the McRib, right? It's like, you know, you know, the McRib is not good for you, but, <laughs> but it's out. It is time. Yeah. And I must have it. And, and yeah. so forth. Right. So there's a, there's a piece of, of, it's really hard to wean people off of that toward this, this better, this better way, but without it, without us starting to kind of test this and so forth. Um, it's, it's really kind of difficult. I, you know, I think my, my question along those lines is, um, do, do some of the buy, does the buy side look toward your, you know, audits, your certifications and so forth to sit there and say, okay, actually, I think I am ready to kind of test, right? Because you've done some of the homework that otherwise they have to do for them to even kind of conduct these kind of tests. Is that a, is that a piece of this that you're seeing of just like how buyers are, are using the kind of the, the index that you create? Yes, I mean, we're working on it. We're getting there. Um, I think that we've seen, you know, there's a broad awareness across most of the major or all of the major um, uh, agency holding companies. Uh, it varies in, in level degree. You know, we, we actually have seen um, some of them on their own RFI questionnaire to ask, you know, are you Neutrodian certified, right? So we're on their radar enough that that's part of their consideration as they're evaluating data. Um, where we would, we're working to get to is that we are the frontline defense, you know, for them so that it's kind of, okay, they have Neutronian verify against their standard, and then they can do any additional verification on top of that. I think what we need to happen to get there and something that Neutronian has been working on, because at the end of the day, and I think, you know, to the points earlier a little bit, when someone's making decisions about buying data, it's, you know, you're in a marketplace, there's a lot of options out there. How do you decide what you're going to buy? Um, it usually comes down to price and scale. Um, and then people keep using those options if they can see an impact on performance. So something that Neutronian is trying to do is for our partners that are going through the certification effort, also making the connection from quality to performance. And so de designing performance studies that can, can prove out and say, if you're doing all the right things from data collection, data processing, um, you know, data production standpoint, there is a direct connection to campaign performance. And I think once we have enough of those case studies and, and can have those proof points to point to, that's where we really crack it open. And everyone says, okay, I get it. We need this. We can't just keep, you know, buying data like stocks were bought in the 1920s before there was audited financials and just kind of going on your gut or, you know, going on what you've always done. Yeah. I, you know, that's the second time both of, both of you have kind of made that kind of reference to the kind of financial situation where you where again, without any guardrails, right, without without there being a, an ability to kind of back up what it is that you're selling, 
you know, we see this in CTV, right? We see a lot of lot of investment going there, and then when you get any report related to fraud, you get really nervous really quickly. Like, what what exactly is kind of going on here? And yet, people are buying in that particular area, and I think that there's just a piece of this of like, again, let's. Th there is one aspirational piece of this, and that is that publisher first party data will perform. Right. I mean, we don't really, really, really know that until we get to the scale, until we really start to put weight on it. And that's, again, goes back to the third party cookie. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I get the RFPs of target this gender, this age and whatever. And I use third party data sources to do that. But I couldn't tell you what that is. And I and I've again, I'm sure you've done the same thing of looking up yourself on on the various sites. And yeah, you know, so some people I'm a 90 year old guy. Uh, others, you know, it's like you know it just it's kind of it's a little bit loose on just even the third party data now we're sitting there trying to apply the same thing to ourselves and we it's in our best interest i think kind of do it of course right and transparently yeah rob, rob i had one point to make um on that too the reason that i think first party data is so important is it is part of people's lives right like when somebody is a human being you do many things in a day. You may go to the Wall Street Journal, you may go to The Advocate, you may go to something else, CNN, right? So the reality is you cannot not consider somebody's life and their behavior and their interests in, in targeting media. That's like making a decision without having the full equation, right? Right, right, I and mean, again, we, that's the, that's the picture we've drawn and i think you know there, there's a piece of this that we'll we'll have to see how this plays out right i think the internet and one of the first maybe one of the original sins right was that we were going to get to one-to-one -one targeting and and messaging and you know kind of related to your point right is the fact that that part of users lives aren't really like oh i can't wait to see the most targeted ad to me that makes me do what x cool. at the same time relevant advertising totally makes sense right yeah. and i think that's the other part is just going to be this kind of value exchange that we have with the audiences that we we love to create this content for you we want you to be part of that journey yeah you know, it's kind of referenced but the exchange for that is going to be ads and yeah. uh, the more we if we can find that kind of that right balance then we can do some pretty amazing things that users are going to go like okay i get it i get it maybe yeah. not all of them but yeah. Most will get the, the value exchange. And the one-to-one -one doesn't, you know, it, it's more, in my opinion, a function of kind of, you know, time spent and how engaged somebody is with content as opposed to their actual kind of behavioral tendencies. That's my opinion. That's why you have so much engagement within kind of music streaming apps, within dating apps even. That's yeah. the, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, Lisa. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's, um, there's a value exchange and, and also kind of, like you said, where people are, are spending their time. Um, one of the things I also wanted to highlight, because I think we haven't touched on it, but it is a, another component of this, is um, reputational risk. So folks are using data. Um, by now, I think a lot of us have seen the John Oliver clip about data brokers, right? Um, and I think consumers are becoming more and more aware that data is being collected about them and is being leveraged. And so I think it's, you know, now is the time to be transparent about what you're doing and how you're doing it to avoid being one of those logos that's put up on, you know, by John Oliver. And, and, and so I think 
that's also what we're aiming to do. There are, there are people that are doing not so great things. There are people that are doing, okay, they're doing all right things, but the, the perception to the consumer is not that it's all right. I mean, that's, that's the example of jump shot, right? Like they weren't technically doing anything illegal, but they had an antivirus program that was collecting data and, and selling it, right? And so as a consumer, you're like, wait a minute, this is conflict of interest. Um, so I think that that's also a key component here is, is you know, leveraging standards like this to show and be transparent, not only in a B2B context, but a B2C context about what you're doing. Yeah, and it's such a, it's such an argument, it's such a hard argument to have with, with consumers, right, about this. Because again, if you have, you know, again, it depends on what level you have the conversation, right? If you just sit there and say, um, do you prefer privacy over non-privacy? I mean, the answer is I'd rather have a, some privacy. Thank you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's almost like a framing of this whole thing. And, and again, to your point, there are some people who are doing some things that um, just even trying to explain it in a, in a way just gets you into trouble. You know, and I think I think that that's part of what we're always as an industry going to, to be having to deal with. But part of it is to clean up our act and then message that that act, you know, that, that is happening and hold others in the ecosystem, you know, to that standard. I think, you know, and I think that some of the agencies have definitely done that in terms of, you know, what they consider valid impressions and, and some other pieces. I, you know, I have to push back as a publisher that like, you know, some of that stuff how you consider an impression and valid impression. Like there's debate to be had, but I can't argue the fact that the ad should be seen by a human. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's some yeah. things that you like, well, yeah. you know, you want humans to see my ad? Like, come on, <laughs> like, that's, that seems like a high bar. It should not be a high bar. We should all be kind of, kind of working toward that. You know, some of the reaction though, to all of this, uh, you know, Apple, whether they're doing it for privacy or just kneecapping Facebook and or positioning certainly has it in their messaging that we are all bad people. Uh, and we do now live in a cookie, you know, there are cookie-less environments. And that's one thing I know that you have is like a cookie-less certification. As a publisher, I can't get a dial tone on my phone without <laughs> someone offering me a cookie-less uh, solution. So, I'd love to understand what it is that you're actually measuring there and, and you know, how that again might even help me make some decisions around what kind of solutions I use. Sure. Yep. So our, our cookie list verification is an added layer that we go through on top of our general certification. And, you know, something that is very apparent in the ecosystem is that um, the interconnectivity between all of, all of our companies and everyone in, in, in the you know in the chain um impacts one another but when we're looking for that type of verification it's for the company itself we're we're verifying that third-party cookies are not part of the data collection process and it's not part of their their methodology right so anything in-house that they have control over they're not relying on cookies and so when we give that certification it's saying they are ready now or for the future whenever you know, Google decides to, to finally cut the cord. Um, they are not relying on cookies. And, and so I'm very careful in how I'm positioning that because the reality is even for companies that are today not relying on third-party cookies, they will pass their data downstream to a, a, a buying platform that might still be, right? And so I think that's where that's, that's outside of your control. 
but you as an entity and as a business, how you're producing your solution is not dependent on cookies. So that's that's the signal that we're providing with that with that certification. Got it. Got it. Thank you. So, you know, as I mentioned, I, I, I see more and more publishers are going to be basically data providers, right? Or again, if we if we're sell to find audiences um, takes off, becomes a, again, it becomes something that becomes part of the bid stream. I'm sending along this this information. Um, I as a, a publisher and I, I you know I work with golf.com, we're not ready for an audit, okay? Not because the data is not good. I know what I'm I know I'm doing it the right way, but I don't know all the things that go into going through an audit, right? And going kind of through that process. My thought, you know, for you know perhaps uh, last piece of this kind of conversation, I'd love to kind of talk about some of the best practices that. You know, it's almost as if I said, hey, I want to be a data provider. Um, I'm going to start to create this whole thing. How do I get to the road of successfully getting certified? What are some of the things that might trip me up? What are the things that I'm, I'm going to have to start to 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 get um, put together so that, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be able to put that stamp and go out to market and say, look, we, we passed the test. We, we, you know, we're a valid data provider. Any thoughts from both of you? Lisa, we could start with you and George, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Sure, yep. So I think that um, first and foremost, I would make sure that you are up to date, You know, have um, everything in place that is needed from a privacy regulation standpoint, right? So making sure you have the right disclosures, making sure, um, you know, even if you're not directly collecting data from your website, that there's an easy way for consumers to opt out of data usage in collection, right? So I think I think there's some just basics around privacy that that need to be in place. The second thing that I would say is start with being transparent. If you are collecting data and you have plans to um, leverage that data outside of what the privacy regulation says, but when we're talking about like the Neutronian ratings, it's all about transparency. How easy it is is it for us to understand what data you're collecting and how it's being used? So I would say that's kind of the entry point as you prepare for certification is just making updates to your public facing materials that is transparent about who you are and what you're doing. Um, I think those are the key steps in the process. The other point that I would make is um, as a part of our certification, we do offer remediation. Um, so we haven't touched, touched on that, but if someone is like, okay, I feel like I have my ducks in a row, we get through the certification process, we identify something that we feel should be updated in order to be up to you know, a certain standard. We'll provide that feedback and, and give you the opportunity to get there um, and then continue on with the certification. So I think you wanna be relatively a reasonable way down the road and have a path you know, towards where you're going and, and how you're gonna be trying to monetize the data. But I did just wanna point that out that you know we do have ways for someone to help get to where they need to be in order to be certified. Got it. Right. So there, there's a feedback loop so I can, again, got it. Got it. Right. So it's not just one test, fail, pass. It's Correct. here's the remediation. Here's what you need to do to, to, to kind of follow that, that particular piece. George, what are some of your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. We're trying to be good partners, um, ecosystem partners. Uh, what I will uh, emphasize, Rob, is, you know, as a premium publisher group, the there is uh, one side of the equation, which is the buy side, 
what is the biocide doing? What are they prepared to ingest within systems, you know, pipes that have existed for a long time without much modification? Separately, I did want to bring up the fact of audience extension. So that's kind of a trend that is happening. So folks releasing audience graphs, I think that's an important part of the scaling of this type of idea, uh, because as a premium publisher, you do have a unique audience. That audience can be sold, you know, even directly by internal sales teams, by a programmatic direct or, you know, IO, that still happens. So what I, what I would encourage too, is as part of any audience extension effort to be cognizant of any first party data used within that strategy. And, you know, Lisa, you probably have an opinion here. We've talked about this before. I think it's important and I think that audience extension, whether it's through an audience graph or something else, needs to be part of the strategy. And as a group, publishers need to be talking about that collectively. But with that comes additional kind of checks and balances that need to be put into place, correct? A hundred percent. And actually, that's a good reminder, something that, that I, I uh, meant to call out earlier, too, it, it, as, as far as advice for publishers. But um, the same criteria that you will be evaluated against, you want to be applying to anyone that you're going to partner with, right? So you have your sacred first party data. If you're going to mix anyone in, in there in order to do that ex audience extension, you need to set the bar just as high. And that's where new training can also help um, is by not only helping you to achieve the certification, but by being able to help verify and validate anyone that you are considering partnering with. You know, you, you guys, you, you, everything always sets me up for things I said long, long ago. And this was just about just like programmatic pipes and, and, and my, my argument at the time and you know, George, with your, your role at Ad Lightning, I think you could appreciate this, right? Like, in one respect, it's not your partners, it's your partner's partners, yeah. right? That's that's where we get into yeah. trouble, right? There's so much kind of just linked to each other. And and there's a, just the idea of even valid impressions or bots and all that kind of stuff can kind of plays into that and, and fraud and whatever. Now add this data layer, right? And the, I, the fact of the matter is, is that it's going to be publishers they're gonna be on the front line of getting um, consent, right? Yep. They're the ones that are actually gonna have that relationship and everyone else in the ecosystem will depend on them getting that consent, whether it be with an identifier, without an identifier content, like all of that requires the publisher to go, you know, to the user, we're transacting, we're doing something here, right? And And, so I think that there's like a key component to what you just said that like, okay, great. I just did that work. I got them to say yes to advertising and to target advertising on my site. And now I'm going to work with 30 people in my header bidding stack with who knows how many companies that are on my actual page and we're good. Yeah, <laughs> it, just, it just isn't going to hold up over the course. It just it's going to need these particular pieces. And like, let's be honest, some of that's going to be the IB. You know, TCF has been you know has been put under the the microscope as to whether that's actually doing it. I think I think regulators are going to keep pushing the lines right in making it harder and harder. But the fact of the matter is that there has to be some ways for us to sit there and and go, hey, as I talk to a buyer, I'm legit and everyone behind me is legit, right? And everyone through that process. I, th I think hopefully with all of this, there's like a flight to quality 
of just people who are actually doing it right. I, I, I'm a dreamer. What can I tell you? There's small data, small data, as opposed to infinite amounts of data, because I think we've realized that that doesn't work. If you want, you know, 1 billion video impressions in Milwaukee, that's probably not going to happen. So, you know, that that's kind of the, the hope that we have. You know, when we look at the buying community, we are seeing more popularity with PMPs. We're actually seeing PMPs beginning to transact. So the goal would be for first-party data to be a huge component of that. And, you know, ultimately for publishers to benefit through CPMs finally reflecting the value yep. that's provided, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think on that that note, like I think I think we're you know I, I, what I'm looking forward to is just further conversations about this, right? I think that there's there's um, more work to be done in terms of the overall specs to our reaction. I mean, but here's the fact: is that like publishers dealing with cookieless environments, um, it's good to know what's going on there. There's a lot of testing that can be done there to create those signals to open up. You know, again, I think. You know, George, we're going to hold you. You you spoke for all media buyers, um, <laughs> but like, but the idea is that you're again, you're looking for new, you know, new new members, new people to reach out to, and yeah. so if we can, as publishers, start to uncover that, I think we have a, a product to sell, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. And consider kind of co-op, you know, types of kind of things for scale. Um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. You know, we're excited to kind of watch as this evolves and you know lisa tim or neutronian are looking to create a safe space where you know we can be good ecosystem level partners yeah well i i appreciate both of you for uh, some shedding light on on what it is that neutronian does to talking about again some of the things that we have as, as challenges as we go forward in the industry and uh thanks for uh thanks for being a, a part of the conversation really really enjoyed it yeah thanks for having us rob this was fun thanks rob let's do it again Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll book yeah. it with definitely again, there, there'll be, there'll be more to talk about in the future for sure. Um, yeah. So thanks everyone for, uh, for, for listening in and uh, check and keep, keep an eye on Beeler tech uh, sign up for our newsletter. Make sure that uh, you know, the next uh, Beeler cast that we roll out and uh, thanks so much for the conversation.